People with your host, Dennis Beard. Questions have been asked. They've asked, what about the man, Christ Jesus? How is he one with the Father? What is the difference in the days of his flesh in humiliation versus glorification? And is there a difference? Of course, the Trinities, the Trinitarian believer, will say, well, obviously, for God to send his son, he's not sending himself as a self, but he's sending another person. And of course, uh, somehow or another, this is supposed to be a hypostatic union uh, between the father and the son, uh, somehow or other. And uh, when we ask to break it down, and in this podcast, we'll call it breaking it down. How do you break it down? How is Jesus, the man, when he's a kinsman redeemer in our stead, and how is he the father? So as we take a look at it, Jesus Christ, Jesus, his very name, believing in the name of the Son of God, is Jehovah, is salvation, Jesus. There's no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved at the name Jesus. Well, somebody said, well, his name is Jealous. His name is Jehovah. And uh, Elohim, plural of Elohim. Many different names, and it has to be to do with the attributes of God, his majesty, his dignity. And each of the Jehovah titles will be to the appropriate attribute that he is and will always be. Everyone is very familiar with Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, and Jehovah Rapha, or Jehovah Rofika, the Lord that heals thee, uh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is present. Jehovah Tadishkinu, the Lord are righteous. Jehovah Maskinu, etc. All of these Jehovah titles are titles of his attributes. And Jehovah is the Tetragrammaton in the Yod Ha Waha, or Jehovah, which is God Almighty in his spirit. But it's not manifest. No man has seen God at any time and lived. And we have that in the Word of God. Well, no man's seen God and lived. And yet, who did Moses see? And the hinder parts. They put him in the cleft of the rock. And he came by and he said, You will see my hinder parts and the glory of the Lord. And as Moses did it, and God's hand was over Moses in the cleft of the rock, God himself said, any prophet that sees dreams or visions, I will deal with him. But Moses is different, for he has seen me face to face. Now, how can that be? Is there a contradiction there? Well, there's a revelation. Because no man has seen God any time and lived, 
Yet we have in 2 Corinthians 3, God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. The face of Jesus Christ is the manifest name of God. The only revealed name of God, literally seen, touched, handled of the word of life. In the epistle of John, 1 John 1, verse 1. That word of God, which we have seen, which we've handled of the word of life. Then how can the Son of God, who is the man, be the Father? We have to take a look. What kind of a man was he? We know that God is not a man that he should repent of the Son of Man. Uh, God is not a man that he can lie to the Son of Man that he should repent. It tells you what kind of man God is not. But yet it says in the Old Testament, God is a man of war. And then we have, through the Holy Ghost, rightly dividing the word of truth. A work that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Dividing the word of truth is not dividing the word of God, saying, well, this scriptures here have to do with the word, and these don't. We just tear it out and throw it away. That's not dividing. The Spirit of God, quicker than any two-edged sword, rightly dividing of sunder of soul and spirit. Only the Word of God can do that. And to rightly divide that soul and spirit, when you're reading the Word of God, how do you divide it? Through the Holy Ghost. Is it spirit that he's talking about? Is it the soul realm or is it the physical realm? And only the Holy Ghost can lead us there. Rightly dividing body, soul, and spirit. Is he talking natural? Or is he talking spiritual in a spiritual sense? And he's using similes, metaphors. This is only can be led into the truth by the spirit of truth, which is the Holy Ghost. And he says, you have no need that any man teach you, 1 John 2.20. And he says, you know all things. Well, faith is the substance of things, so far the evidence of things not seen. You know all things. Somebody said, I don't know all things. But the Holy Ghost that you have in you, the Spirit of Christ in you, the Father in you, knows all things. And you have that. And it's imputed to you by faith. And it says, you have an unction from the Holy One. You have no need that any man teach you. And you know all things. And you know all truth and no lies of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that hath denied both the Father and the Son. Why? Because Christ, first of all, is the Father. He is the Word. He is the Holy Ghost. He is that invisible Spirit of God. But when it's revealed, when it is literally expressed, touched, taste, and handled of that Word of God, that name is Jesus that Jesus is the blood name of Almighty God, the revealed name of God, that is through the name Jesus. And when he was crucified, we know this because over Jesus was written in Latin, Hebrew, and Greek. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. It was written not only in Hebrew, but Greek and Latin as well. 
letting us know that we don't have to speak Hebrew to be saved. We can say Jesus. Jesus. We can say in easy. We can say as long as whatever language you are speaking, Hebrew, yes. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. True, but do we have to use the name Yeshua or we're lost? No, because the blood name, the salvation name, the blood in the New Testament given for you is invoked in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Christ, the Christos, the Messiah, the HaMashiach. That's the reason why God allowed that over the head of Jesus as he shed his holy, righteous, precious blood. This is Jesus, written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. So whatever language you speak, the transliteration of Jehovah's salvation in your language is the manifest blood name of God Almighty, and we find in Acts 4.12, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the blood name of God. We find in the book of Acts, when you intend to preach this man's name, when you preach this man's name, never more speak anymore in this man's name. Because when you do, you intend to bring his blood upon us, the blood name of God. Well, the tetragrammaton, the yod ha waha, the yud being the hand, the ha, the spirit, the wa or the vav being the hook or that to join, and the ha, the tetragrammaton. Well, that is the tenth, fifth, and sixth letter of the Hebrew ABC theory, but it's spirit from the aloft to the top. The spirit. Thy words are spirit. Thy words are life. But when we have that manifest, the manifest name of God is Jesus. That's the only manifest name of God we have, whereby we must be saved. There's not another. There's no other name under heaven. Now back to the man Christ Jesus. Why do we have a man to begin with? By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, and death by sin. Therefore, by one man shall my servant make many righteous. So salvation and justification, redemption, sanctification, and ultimate glorification will be through a man. But the man will have to be the perfect, spotless, blameless man, a kinsman redeemer. And Jesus will be and have to be in order to redeem us as our propitiation for sin, a man. Because a man lost it, only a man can redeem us back. As the offense is of one, of one man, so also the free gift is of one, one man. And Adam all died. So we have to have a kinsman redeemer, that's an Adam, so death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that have not sinned after the similitude of Adam. It's still death reigned. 
even after him who should come, that comes after him in, in that manner of an Adam. That Adam, the first Adam, was made a living soul. He was given conditional eternal life. In other words, Adam, if you do not, do not, commandment, do not eat of the tree of knowledge, for in the day that you do, you will surely die. Well, we all know in Genesis 3, later on, he had the woman, not good for man to be alone. Therefore, God called a deep sleep upon Adam and took a rib there and made he woman, woman of the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She was not called Eve until after the fall. She was called Adam. Called them Adam. God called them Adam. For they were one. But then, Adam had told woman not to eat of the tree of knowledge because of the day that we do, we're going to die. Well, the serpent was more subtle than all the beasts of the field. And he came tempting the woman and beguiled her. That was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and the, and the serpent, not some spiritual serpent, but a physical, literal serpent who was walking at that time. There it said, Hath God said, Thou shalt not eat of the tree of knowledge? For God knows in the day that you eat thereof, you will be as God's, little G-O-D-S, Elohim. Knowing good from evil. And when she saw the tree was pleasant to the eyes and good for food, etc., then she did take and eat. Then Adam came and she did give Adam to eat. Eve, then, woman, was deceived. Adam was not deceived. Full well knowingly ate of the tree of knowledge. The soul realm opened. And at that point, the Neshama, the breath of life, died in Adam. And through this disobedience, sin came into the world and death by sin. It literally came up on all mankind in Adam, all sin. All that comes short of the glory of God, none good, no, not one, conceived in sin, shapen in iniquity after Adam. So we have to be born again. But how is God going to make salvation? How is he going to justify us? How is he going to reconcile us, redeem us back to him? Sin separates. And we know that this man's disobedience brought forth sin and sin reigned by death. Well, God's got to have a man. He looks for a man. The word of God tells us he looked for a man. Isaiah 59, 16. Isaiah 63, 5. He tells us he looked for a man. He was amazed he could find none. Because all, all had sinned and come short of the glory of God. Had him on down, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, so everybody had sinned and come short of the glory of God. So therefore, how is he going to work salvation? And very simply, Isaiah tells us 
He looked for a man. He was amazed he could find none. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation unto himself. Isaiah 63, 5 says, his own arm brought salvation to me, God said. How? How is he going to do this? Well, he's got to have a man. And he can't find one. And the devil thinks he has won this battle. If the princes of this world had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Well, God's got to prepare himself a body. He's got to have a man. But God is spirit and cannot die, cannot shed blood, and cannot be tempted. Let no man say when he's tempted, he's tempted of God. For God tempteth no one. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away his own lust, lust conceived, bring forth sin, sin conceived, bring forth death. Therefore, for God to work salvation and redemption, justification, sanctification, ultimate glorification, he had to have a man. Who is this man? And who is this man? In essence, who is he? Well, we find that Philippians 2, 6 through 8, Paul gives us great insight saying of only one time found in Scripture that gives us exactly how God does this. He said, Jesus, who being in the form of God, form is morpha. It is an eternal state. It never changes. Jesus who being in the form of God. Morpha. Well, God is a spirit. Those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Jesus was in the form of God. Jesus, who being in the form of God. What being? Jesus' being is the form of God. Who being in the form of God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Nobody's equal with God except God himself. All the attributes of God are equal. We find in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Bereshit, Barah, Elohim, eight, Aloftal, Hashemayim, Bayat, Hayertz, seven Hebrew words. But the Shamash, the servant, the middle word there, Bereshit, Barah, Elohim, eight, the middle one of the, which all the other three hang off of is the eight aloftav, the Hebrew ABC theory, which Jesus said he is the aloftav, the Alpha and Omega, the A to the Z of Elohim. Well, he always has been in the form of God, who being, his very being, is that form of God, who being in the form of God, spirit, made himself of no reputation. One time in the Word of God, it says this kenoo, K-E-N-O-O. It's a kenosis. Not the Son of God. Not any God Junior or Spirit Junior, but God Himself. Jesus, who being in the form of God, God is one. Made Himself. God did it. Made Himself of no reputation. Not some reputation. No reputation. What does that mean? No reputation. No repute. No glory. No dignity. No honor. It's voided. 
It's not some reputation. Made himself, God himself, of no reputation. No reputation is literally as the high priest did in the Old Testament. Leviticus 16 laid aside his glory, his garments of glory and beauty. On the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, and took on the linen garments, became one with all of Israel, became one with them, did all the sacrifices. And at the end of that day, after offering, offering the goats, the two goats, the goat of Azazel, after thanks sprinkling uh, the blood upon the mercy seat seven times, etc., when all of the sacrifice is done and the offering. For Israel, not for the high priest, as well as all of Israel. Then he went back into the sanctuary, the holy place, and took off the linen garments, laid them aside, never to be worn again, and put back on the garments of glory and beauty. The like figure. Our Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest, did the same. He made himself of no reputation. Philippians 2.6 laid aside his glory. What did he do then? Well, that form, the form of God is spirit, and that's eternal. Always has been, always will be God. Jesus is God, has been God, and always will be God, that spirit. But he's going to work salvation as a man, not as a God-man, but as a man. How is he going to accomplish this? Philippians 2, 6-8, Paul tells us exactly how. Jesus, who being that form, form of God, he's in that form of God. He is that spirit. He is the Lord. He is that Christ. Christ, first and foremost, is that spirit. We have that revelation that Peter gives us in his first epistle, 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11, that all the Old Testament prophets... Search diligently into the grace that should come unto us, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ that was in them. That was in Moses, Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, 14 minor prophets, all the way to Malachi. That Spirit of Christ, capital S, lets us know that Christ is that Spirit. First and foremost, the very essence of God, He is that Spirit. The Lord is that spirit. Christ is the Lord. That lets us know Christ is that spirit, that invisible spirit of God. But Peter in his epistle doesn't stop there. He said when it signified beforehand and testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Now, wait a minute. Is Christ, that spirit, is going to be the same Christ that suffers? Yes. There's a revelation of Christ. We're establishing the doctrine of Christ if we understand that Jesus is the Christ. He is that spirit. First and foremost, in the essence of God, he is spirit. The intrinsic value, he is spirit. That's who he is. Well, but now, he says, uh, 1 Peter 1, verse 10, 11 tells us that when he testified beforehand, the sufferings of Christ, the sufferings of that spirit, 
and the glory that should follow. We know that it behooved Christ to suffer. And literally, death, burial, and resurrection, and that, re and that re repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name, the manifest name of God, the revealed name of God. It behooved Christ to suffer. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name. And then enter into his glory. The glory? Yes. Because Christ, the Lord, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, is going to be birthed in the city of David. Who? Christ the Lord. God himself manifest in a body of flesh and blood. There is the mystery of godliness. 1 Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Notice that's past tense. God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Priests unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. Received up into glory. Not God Jr. Not Son of God. But God himself. Because God manifest in the flesh, now we have the Son of God. The man. But the man from the womb, not from the tomb, but from the womb, God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. All the Spirit that God is, was, or ever will be manifest in a body of flesh and blood. Now wait. He has to work salvation as a man. How can God do this? He makes himself, Philippians 2, 6, of no reputation. He lays aside the glory. It becomes latent, laid back. Why? Because a man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. Again, Romans 5. By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, and death by sin. Therefore, by one man shall my servant make many righteous. As sin reigned by death, so... Grace reigns through righteousness. Righteousness is revealed to us in John 16. Jesus said when the Holy Ghost has come, he's going to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me, Jesus said. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father. And of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. As he goes on, he elaborates there. He said, now I have heretofore, I've spoken to you in Proverbs, but the time comes, I will no more speak to you in Proverbs. In these deep hidden sayings, but I'm going to show you plainly of the Father. And he goes on and says, he proceeded from the Father and came into the world. A little died, was buried, rose again, and went back to my Father, Jesus said. What is righteousness? He proceeded from the Father, came from God, came into the world, died, buried, rose again, and went back to his former glory, back to where he was before. Glorified with the Father's own self, John 17, 5. Well, that's righteousness. And righteousness had to be through 
a righteous, blameless, spotless lamb of God as the supreme sacrifice to redeem mankind back to himself. Christ is that spirit. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Well, we can also say Christ was in Christ reconciling the world back to Christ, which is true. Because the revelation of Christ is that he is the Father, which is the invisible spirit, and he is the Son, which is that invisible spirit, manifest, seen, express image, not expressed image, the express image of God. And we find that in the beginning is the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. That is spirit. Thy Word is spirit, thy Word is life. The Son is the Spirit of God manifest in a body of flesh and blood. It has two components. The Spirit of God without measure, all the fullness, manifest in a body of flesh and blood. With those two, two components, that two criteria, then you have the Son of God, the Son of God, not God the Son. God the Son would be divine flesh. The Son of God is the Son, capital S-O-N, one with the Father, the same Spirit of God. That's the body. That thing which is conceived of thee, Mary, is of the Holy Ghost. That's a holy thing. That's the reason why that Adam or any lineage of Adam could not be the literal father of the Son of God. It had to be the seed of the woman. Where do we find that? Well, we see that in Genesis 3.15, the first proto-evangel of the Messiah. Serpent, God speaking to the serpent, said it. I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He's going to bruise thy head. He's going to bruise your head. And you will bruise his heel. Not the woman's heel, not her heel. His heel. The first proto-evangel of the Messiah, the promise of Messiah, the messianic promise, the Christos, the Christ. Messiah, Christ, one and the same. Well, we have there the man. How's God doing it? Well, he has to make himself of no reputation, Philippians 2, 6 through 8, because if he works as God, then he's broke his own law because a man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. So God can prepare a body of flesh and blood, but he can't work his spirit. He's got to work as a man. And therefore, Jesus as a man will grow in favor with God and with man as a man or kinsman redeemer emptied out of glory. This is hard for some to understand that God and the man are one and the same, but what about the man? Does he have a body of flesh and blood? Yes. Does he have a rational soul, a mind, will, emotions, imagination, and intellect? Yes, just like us. 
Does he have a human spirit like us with communion, with a conscience, with the uh, intuition? Things that, that he knows that, that are learned and has without the mind or the soul rim of the intellect. Things that are just automatically given. Yes. He's one of us. We find that in Hebrews 2. For as much then as the children are protectors of flesh and blood, he also, God himself also, likewise, took part of the same as us, our kinsman and redeemer. That in all things he was made like unto his brethren. And because we're all of one, he's not ashamed to call us brethren. We're, he's one of us. How does he do it? He makes himself the spirit of no reputation. Lays aside the glory, the dignity, the honor. The spirit becomes latent, laid back. It's not moving. So he can work only as a man. But that man is a seed of the woman. That's the reason why the virgin birth was so essential and necessary. Because in Adam all died. If it had been a seed of Adam, he would have that sin nature. Therefore, the blood would be tainted. But we find in, in Romans 8, 3, in the fullness of time, there, what the law could not do, in that it was weak in the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh. He has to be one of us. He has to be tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin, Hebrews 4.15. He that knew no sin became sin for us in our stead, our propitiation, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. By doing that, the Spirit of God being in the form of God made himself of no reputation. The Spirit literally puts a self-imposed limitation upon himself, not the work of Spirit, and takes upon him the form, upon God himself, the form, which is morpha again, an eternal state, the form of a servant. Made in the likeness of men. God made in the likeness of men? Yes. We can say this is Emmanuel, God with us. A virgin shall conceive, Isaiah 7, 14, and, and bring forth a son, call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat. And he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. That is Jesus Christ. We find that prophesied in Isaiah 9, 5. Unto us, unto us, a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall rest upon his shoulder. The only thing rested upon Jesus' shoulder was the cross. Who is he? His name shall be called Wonderful, capital W, only used of God, wonderful, full of wonder, wonderful counselor, the mighty God, not the mighty son of God, Isaiah 9, 6, the mighty God, the everlasting father. That's who he is in his intrinsic he, in his essence, he is the everlasting father, the Prince of Peace. 
So Jesus makes himself of no reputation, takes on him the form of a servant made in the likeness of men. Is he a man like us? Yes. Hebrews 2 says so. Hebrews 4.15 said he's tempted all the points like we are yet without sin. And how hath this man, this wisdom, he was a man just like us. He hungered. He thirsted. He was tempted in all points like we are. Being weary with his journey. Jesus being fast asleep in the boat. Jesus being one of us, one of us in everything as our kinsman redeemer. He had to redeem us by being one of us. He did not take on him the nature of angels. He took on him the seed of Abraham. Now, let's see. Did the man Christ Jesus, did he have a human spirit? Yes, he did. Was that above the law or under the law? Was that an Adam before the fall or after the fall? Well, let's take a look at Galatians 4, verse 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. How? Made of a woman, not spirit saying to spirit junior, go down and die for the sin of the world. No scripture for that. That's man-made doctrine, which is teaching for doctrine, the commandments of man, which is in total error. Totally missing the mark. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. How? Made of a woman, made in under the law, not above it, in under the law. To redeem us that were under the law. He became one of us. There again, we find there that what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin of the flesh. One of us in all things, body, soul, and spirit. Otherwise, he can be tempted in all points. Body, soul, and spirit like us. So we take the first temptation of Jesus. The man Christ Jesus. And he literally learns obedience by the things which he suffered. He uh, literally grows in favor with God and man. The scriptures were daily his delight. We find him at 12 years old. He literally stunned and baffled. The, the scribes, the priests, there, and they, because of his wisdom that he had acquired by the age of 12. How? He just born and all of a sudden knows the Son of God and he was just giving it to him because of intrinsically he was. No. Through the scriptures, daily being his delight. We find that in the crucifixion Psalms. There, 12 years old, he said, I must be about my father's business, not my business, my father's business. Why? Because he's emptied out of glory. He's made himself of no reputation. He's working as a man. He's growing in favor with God and man. He will not have any or work any miracles until age 30. Somebody said, well, why wait till 30? If you're God, just go ahead and save everybody. No, he's working as a man to fulfill that law. The law was given that sin might appear exceedingly sinful. But with the knowledge of the law, without the knowledge of the law, sin is not imputed where there is no law. God gave the law that sin might appear exceedingly sinful. Therefore, 
the law had requirements and demands that had to be met. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Why? Because in the blood is the life. Therefore, it will require the shedding of blood. But it has to be a holy, spotless, blameless sacrifice. And even at that, it has to be a free will offering. Not mandatory, but a free will offering for our propitiation, for our forgiveness of sins. Dying in our stead. The mercy seat being the propitiatory, the literal way he propitiates covers. That's the reason the lid, the mercy seat covered was over the top of the law. Aaron's rod that budded, tables of stone, as well as the manna. Why? Because of the mercy seat. Why is it a mercy seat? Because the blood was sprinkled seven times upon it. The cherubim, the glory of the mercy seat, in the mercy seat, looking toward the mercy. What was he looking at? The blood of Jesus Christ. Well, that Jesus, as a man, has to be tempted at all points like as we are. The first thing, he cannot take or do any miracle until he comes after the order of Melchizedek as our great high priest. And he can't just take that arbitrarily. The law, the, the law states, under the law of Moses, in Numbers 4, that the high priest takes his office at age 30. Not at age 20, not at 25, age 30. So Jesus has to wait until age 30 as he's preparing himself. Literally, the, the scriptures, daily his delights, the word of God, growing in favor with God and man, and then he reaches age 30. Why? At that time, he can go into the high priesthood. The law states that. He's fulfilling his own law as a man, not as God. A man lost it, only man can redeem us back. He's doing it as a man. Jesus does he have a human spirit? Does he have a rational soul? Does he have a body of flesh and blood? Does it literally have the same desires that we do? Of course it did. Therefore, whenever he goes to John the Baptist, now under the law, under the law, the law of Moses, the Aaronic priesthood, then by reason of death, the high priest couldn't continue. And his son would take over the high priesthood at age 30. So therefore, three things would happen. Number one, he would take the son when he reached age 30 and do three things. Number one, anoint him with oil. Number two, lay hands on him. Number three, speak over him. Thou art the high priest in my stead. The high priest, the older, would, would retire from that day forward. The high priest took that office, his son, at age 30. Well, Jesus will not be after the order of Levi. For our Lord, that this priesthood sprang out of Judah, which nothing was spoken of the priesthood. So therefore, he will be after the order of Melchizedek. And there, Jesus, at age 30, being at the age of 30, goes to John the Baptist of Zacharias, of the course of Abijah, of the Levitical priesthood under Aaron, and says, baptize me. 
said, I have need to be baptized of you whose shoe latches I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. Jesus says, suffer to be so to fulfill all righteousness. I came from God, but now I'm going to fulfill every letter of this law as a man in the form of a servant made in the likeness of man and to fulfill that righteousness going back to where I was before, glorifying my own human back to myself. To fulfill that righteousness, you got to baptize me. To fulfill all righteousness, not to wash away my sins. So John the Baptist takes him in there, the river Jordan, but where he's baptizing beyond Beth Arba and in Jordan. And there he does those three things. Number one, he lays hands on Jesus. Number two, puts him under the water and straightway Jesus came up. So, and the third, he doesn't speak over him. He lays hands on him, puts him under water, and then the voice comes from heaven. Thou art my beloved son in whom I well pleased. John the Baptist in the spirit of Elijah sees uh, the Holy Ghost descending as it were a dove in a boat upon Jesus. Somebody said he's filled with the Holy Ghost. No, he is the Holy Ghost. And what's the dove? It was a sign given to John the Baptist that upon that person, upon that man whom he sees, the dove is descending upon him. He it is that will baptize with the Holy Ghost and that with fire. He it is, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase. Immediately, Jesus comes straightway out of the water. There, why then the dove? The Holy Ghost in the form of a dove. Why? Because that Holy Ghost that spirit of God that has made himself of no reputation under the law can now start working on our behalf. But the, the law, that law of Moses, being literally having to be fulfilled in every aspect of that law, being tempted at every point of it, Jesus then will be led into the wilderness of the spirit there to be tempted of Satan drove into the wilderness there to be tempted of Satan. As a man, God can't be tempted, but as a man, the man Christ Jesus was well, going to be tempted in three areas. First, his body of flesh and blood. Second, his soul realm, the mind, will, emotion, imagination, and intellect. Third, his human spirit, conscience, as well as communion. Number one, first thing he's going to do is tempt that flesh. Satan says, if you be thus, if thou be the son of God, make these stones, uh, turn them into bread. Now, Jesus, the, as a man, has literally read that word of God, grown up in that word, daily was his delights, and he quotes Deuteronomy 9, Deuteronomy 6. He quotes Deuteronomy, and he says, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He uses the word of God to combat Satan in the days of his flesh as a man. Well, there's the flesh. Well, let's go to the soul realm. Let's, let's tempt him in his mind. 
So he takes him to a pinnacle of the temple. He says, jump off of this, this pinnacle, because it is written. And he quotes Psalm that if you dash your foot against a stone, the angels will lift you up. So for, therefore, cast yourself down. Jesus said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. That was tempting him in his, in his soul realm. Now we're going to go to the spirit, the spirit realm. Jesus' body, they, you're hungry. You've got that hunger there. You've, afterward, Jesus was a hunger. Just make these, uh, they, these stones bread. Then he goes to the pinnacle, the man. Throw yourself down because it is written. You know it's certain. You know it. And he'll lift you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. That's in the soul rim. Now he goes to the human spirit of Jesus. Said, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Said, if you will just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of these kingdoms. You won't have to die. There's no cross. There's no sufferings that you have to do. Just bow down and worship me. Freely, I'll give it to you. And Jesus said, at that point, thou shalt serve the Lord God and him only shall thou serve. At that point, in his flesh, he was so weak that whenever he came out of the wilderness, and the fullness and power of God. Well, why did he have that before he went in? Because it's through the temptation and sufferings in the flesh that the Holy Ghost manifests through the body of flesh and blood. Those that, those that follow Christ, he said, if any man will come after me, let him first deny himself, that self-will, Pick up your cross. Why pick up a cross? Because you're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer with him. So the captain of our salvation was made perfect through sufferings. He crucified his own flesh with the affections and the lust. Everything Jesus did, he did not do his own will. As a man, he literally did the will of the Father. Somebody said, well, then if he is the Father, then why why does he pray to the Father? Why does he say the things concerning me have an end? Why does he say my Father's greater than I? Why does he pray to the Father then, if he is the Father? Well, that's where you have to understand and see the revelation of Jesus Christ. Christ is that spirit. Christ is the man. How did he work salvation? He made himself of no reputation. He laid aside his glory. Not going to work his spirit. He doesn't and doesn't begin to work through the spirit, through the everlasting spirit, the eternal spirit of God, until age 30, fulfilling his own law as a man, baptized of John and Jordan, then comes up after that priesthood of Melchizedek. And from that point on, he said, you've heard it's been said in the law, that, you know, if a man uh, commits adultery, let him die the death. But he said, and now I say unto you, why this is a ministry after the priesthood, after the order of Melchizedek. 
Now he said, but I say unto you. Why? Because now he's after the Ora Melchizedek. A change of priesthood. That's what the law said. But I say unto you, a man that looketh upon a woman to lust after her in his spirit has already committed adultery with her. There we have the natural law going into a spiritual state. And the Lord Jesus is showing us the way, the truth, and life to do that. He begins his ministry at age 30. And he doesn't work a miracle into them. And as he goes out, it's progressive. And because he's made in under the law, he is an Adam after the fall. Not one before the fall. He's in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He is made of a woman made in under the law. Why? To fulfill those, to fulfill that, to fulfill that law and save us that were under the law. To redeem us that were under the law. Galatians 4, verse 4 and 5. Well then, he's doing it as a man. A man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. Does he have a human spirit? Of course he does. Was well, his human spirit the spirit of God? No. No, it's not. He's a man made in under the law. So here you have the spirit of God. And he has taken on a body of flesh and blood. Made in the likeness of men. Taken on the form of a servant. Well, the only thing is, the law is still there dividing. As you can see, the law is still dividing God from man. That law is still there. Dividing God from all mankind. Even though God is manifest in his flesh, that flesh there has not shed blood, has not fulfilled this law, and that law is still there. So Jesus says, Father, glorify thou me. Father, glorify thou me. Why? Because the law is still there as a wall of partition. The ordinance of that law, literally a partition parting God from mankind. And Jesus has made himself of no reputation not to work his spirit, but work as a man. That's Philippians 2, 6 through 8. There's the key. And when you understand that, it's very, very simple how God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, believed on the world, received up in the glory. God himself. It was a progressive glorification. Why? Because Jesus said, Father, glorify thou me. He said, I have glorified you and will glorify you again. Jesus is not talking to himself. He's not throwing as a ventriloquist his spirit. His human spirit is that of a man made in under the law, body, soul, and spirit of a man in under the law. And he's going to fulfill that law as a man, not as God, but as a man. Therefore, he won't start his ministry at age 30. That's where he can start working on our behalf as a high priest. Not after Levi, but after the order of Melchizedek. And by doing so, he starts off progressively glorifying the human. God glorifying his own 
his own body of flesh and blood back to himself. God was in Christ, reconciling the world back into himself. Therefore, Jesus said, Father, why did he pray? Because the law is still there. Just because God's taken on a body of flesh and blood, that law is still there. He hadn't died yet. He hadn't been buried and rose again. He hasn't shed his holy, righteous, holy blood. He hasn't put, he has not shed that blood yet. Therefore, that law is there. So what does he do? Father, glorify thou me. He's showing us how to pray. He's showing us the way, the truth, and the life. Somebody said, yes, but he said, John 10, 30, I and my father are one. Yes, I and my father are one. He's saying, in essence, I am that spirit. I was in the form of God. I am that God. I will always be that God. He is in the form of God. But even though he's made himself of no reputation, he didn't cease and desist from being God. He's always been God, always will be God. He just put a self-imposed limitation upon himself to work only as a man for our redemption, sanctification, ultimate glorification. Therefore, Jesus, in the days of his flesh, as he becomes our high priest and he starts working on our behalf at age 30 and as a man's fulfilling his own law. He takes that in tabernacles and he's crucified in Passover. Three and a half years. Time, times and a half, 42 months. And each there he said, my father is greater than I. Why? Because the man is under the law. Well, yes, he is that spirit. Yes, because he said, I and my father are one. We're one in the self-same spirit. You've seen me, you've seen the father. Somebody said, how can that be? In the beginning was the word, word with God, the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Your word is that spirit. Spirit is the word. Spirit is the father. How do we know that? First John 5, 7, there's three, the bare record in heaven, the father, word, and the Holy Ghost. Three, three are one, not in union. These three are one in the self-same spirit. Jesus is that word, but the word's going to be manifest and the word was made flesh. That's not Soma just literally have robed in a body of flesh. It's Sarka, S-A-R-X, means a whole man, body, soul, and human spirit. The word was made flesh, Sarka, and we beheld his glory. The glory is only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, the only begotten God, the only begotten One, the Yaquid, He hath declared Him. How? Who is in the bosom of the Father. Right then, not before, not before the cross, right there. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him. Why? Because even though he has made himself of no reputation, the Spirit of God not working as Spirit, literally, the Word of God made flesh, and as a man that lost it, only a man that can redeem us back, he is fulfilling his own law as a man through the Spirit of God. And that Spirit doesn't break through and start coming up, even though Jesus has a Spirit of God without measure, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him from the womb. He's always been. That's the reason John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost when uh, Elizabeth came to see Mary. He is the Holy Ghost. He is that Spirit of God. 
but it's laid back. It's latent. Why? Because he's going to work salvation as a man. A man lost and only man can redeem us, redeem us back. When you see that, you'll see that Jesus is that spirit. I and my father are one. We're one in the self-same spirit. Always has been, always will be. Just because the spirit has made him no reputation, so he works salvation to man, in his essence, he is that spirit. He's telling the truth. I and my father are one. He says the same in John 14. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. We can't say that, but he can because he is a spirit of God without measure and he's going to progressively glorify his own human back to himself. So he goes on. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, so many mansions were not so I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Why? Because I'm one of you. I am a man of flesh and blood just like you and I'm preparing a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, in the way you know. Where's he going? He came from God. He's going back to God. That's righteousness. He is that spirit of God's made himself in no reputation. He became a man. The man emptied out of glory. And he says, Father, glorify thou me. Why? Because the law is still there. He said, I have glorified you. I raised you up in glory. And I'll glorify you again. You're getting higher and higher in glory to me. It's progressive. Therefore, Jesus, as he goes, the first miracle he does is a wedding in Cana of Galilee. He turns the water into wine. But you can see the progressive glory, the power, the miracles done, all of them redemption miracles. Healing the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils, open blind eyes, loose the dumb tongue, lame walk, kept it going free. Blessed he whosoever is not offended in me. Jesus there states there in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you because I'm one of you. That where I am, there you may be also. Whether I go, you know, in your way, you know. He came from God going back to God. Whether I go, you know, in the way you know. Thomas saith to him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest. We don't understand it. How can we know? We know not whether thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father. I'm glorifying my own human back to myself to make the way for you. No man cometh to the Father but by me. From henceforth you both know him and have seen him. You can't get to the Father but by me, but now you've seen the Father, you've known the Father. From henceforth you know him. Yeah, Philip. Philip didn't understand. said, Lord, show us the Father. And that suffices us. That'll be sufficient. Show us the Father. That's all we need to know. Jesus said, have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? What? He says there, the words that I speak, they're not mine. But the Father that dwelleth houses permanently in me. Katakao, the, the, the Greek word houses permanently in me. He's the one. The Father's the one doing the works. Out with the finger of God. Cast out devils. Know ye the kingdom of God's come nigh unto you. The words that I speak are not mine. 
the Father that dwelleth in me, he's doing the works. Believe me that I'm in my Father, and my Father in me, or else believe me for the work's sake. What works? He's healing the sick, cleansing the liver, raising the dead, cast out devils, open blind eyes, loose the tongue, blowing water, catch going free. That's the works he's doing. The works of the Father. How do we know that? Because what he sees the Father do, do that's what he does. Not with a physical eye, but the eye of his spirit. Thought I be single, the whole body's full of light. I can do nothing of myself. The self of Jesus, the man, he said, I can do nothing as a man. I can of my own self do nothing. But the Father, that dwelling in me, housing permanently in me, manifesting in me, he's the one doing the works. He's the one that's manifest here. I can do nothing of myself. And he says, greater works than these shall you do. Why? Because I go to my Father. When I go away, it's expedient. I go away. If I would not go away, the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, will I come? Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters. This he spake of the Holy Ghost, which was not yet given. Why? Because the Holy Ghost and everything that God is was manifest in Christ Jesus. So after he goes away, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. While he was in the days of his flesh, that's where he's emptied out of glory to become one of us to redeem us that were under the law. Is it a human spirit? Yes. Rational soul of a human soul? Yes. A human body of flesh and blood? Yes. And uh, there is a difference because the law is separating the spirit of God from the spirit, soul, and body of that man in the days of his flesh until he literally fulfills, fulfills that law. doesn't do away with it. He fulfills it. And during the days of his flesh, He's going to show us the way, the truth, and life, how to pray, fast, seek God, and show us the things that we must do in obedience to him. Making the capital of our salvation perfect through sufferings. Well, in John 8, 13, Pharisees didn't get it. When he said, I and my father are one, in John 10, 30, he means I am that spirit. Not his, not his human spirit being the spirit of God, no. That'd be divine flesh. No, it, but I am that spirit that made myself of no reputation to literally become this man to take on the form of a servant. Who is that servant? Isaiah 43, 10, thus saith the Lord, Lord Jehovah God Almighty, that invisible spirit, and my servant whom I have chosen. You chose him? Sounds like there's two. If you chose him, him, you're going a third person there. Thus saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen. Well, who is that servant? That you know, may know and believe me and understand. Don't believe denominations. Bishops, apostles, prophets, don't believe that. Try those spirits to see whether they have God. Because God said, I want you to know, believe me and understand that I am he. I am that servant. And he tells you how he did it. Before me, there was no God formed. Neither shall be after me. God formed himself a body of flesh and blood. See now that I, even I, am he. And beside me, there is no other Savior. Jehovah, 
is salvation. Jesus. I am the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One, not the Holy Trinity, the Holy One of Israel. Did he have a body, a flesh and blood, a human soul, mind, will, emotion, imagination, and intellect, with a human spirit of conscience and communion? Yes, just like us. But while that law is still there, even though he's God, it's made himself of no reputation. He can say, I'm my father one. You've seen me, you've seen the father. Yes, because he's the one doing the works. But to do that, Jesus crucifies his flesh, makes the captain of our salvation perfect through sufferings. Literally crucifying that flesh. Daily. <laughs> and then, you can even watch the, the miracles and everything. It takes hours to go through each miracle as it goes and how it's progressively glorifying the human as, as he crucifies the flesh, that he works more and more through his, the Holy Ghost, through the Spirit of God, showing us the way. We want to we work the works of God? You've got to deny self. You've got to offer your body a living sacrifice, holding acceptable unto God, which is reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You and otherwise, you'll never work any miracles. You'll never heal the sick, cleanse, labor. You'll never be able to work the works of God. Let us work the works of God. How? You believe on him whom he has sent. Who? Jesus Christ, God Almighty. When you receive him, you receive him that sent him. Why? Because they're one and the same. When you understand that, he is redeeming us by being one of us. And he progressively glorifies his own human back to himself, higher and higher and higher. So Jesus said, glorify thou me. He said, I've glorified you. I'll glorify you again. And he does. And he said, the Father be glorified, the Son, the Son glorified in the Father. Jesus said, point blank, speaking in these Proverbs, these heart sayings, and in him are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He said, no man knoweth the Son but the Father. No man knoweth the Father but the Son, and to whom he will reveal him. It has to be revealed by God, by himself. Well, Jesus is that spirit. There, even all the miracles that he does. Notice the first uh, one that he does in raising the dead. He takes uh, Jairus' daughter and raises her from the dead. Been dead a couple hours. Then the widow of Nain's son, second one. It's gone higher in glory. Been dead a couple of days, not just a couple of hours, a couple of days. And uh, uh, we, have, we have there the, uh, the funeral procession coming through, and he has, he has uh, compassion upon the widow. Walks over to the bier, the coffin, and says, Son, I send thee to rise. Presents the man, the, the boy, back to his mother alive. Well, then Lazarus, he's been dead four days now. Not a couple of hours, not a couple of days. Four days dead. Progressively going greater and greater in glory, revealing who he is. The father of glory. It's the father doing the works. He said, Lazarus, come forth. By this time he stinketh. He's been dead three days. I mean, four days. 
Four days. Lord, by this time he stinketh. Lazarus come forth. After Jesus has, as a man, fulfilled all the requirements of the law, tempted at all points like as we are yet without sin, then he has the right as a free will sacrifice, a holy, blameless, spotless Lamb of God, to say, I will freely lay down my life. He said, I, lay, I freely lay down my life. No man taketh it from me. I'm going to be that free will sacrifice. I have power to lay it down. I have power to receive it again. This I've received of my Father as a man. Tempted at all points, but yet never sinned. There, John 2, Jesus said, destroy this temple. In three days, I will raise it up. Why? Because no man can raise up his body except he be God. The Jews said 40 and 6 years with this temple in building, and you're going to raise it up in three days? Jesus said he spake of the temple of his body. There Jesus fulfilled all the law. And as a free will sacrifice, he freely laid down his life. As he's dying on the cross, he has a human spirit, a rational soul, a human body of flesh and blood. He suffers. Simon of Serene had to, had to uh, carry his cross because they literally beat Jesus is back so much with, with the, the, the scourging that Pilate thought to kill, literally kill Jesus by scourging. And it wasn't 40 stripes, save one. Hundreds of stripes on the back literally beat out his back muscles to where he could not carry. His cross became so heavy he couldn't carry it. As he goes on the cross, the seven last sayings of Jesus, and you know, uh, they're full well the truth. And as Jesus dies, very important that we see, as he's dying, he said, Father, that spirit that he is, that has been literally separated by wall of partition, the law, him as a man suffering with a human body, of flesh and blood, a human soul, mind, will, emotion, imagination, limit, just like us, with a human spirit, just like us, of conscience and communion, said, Father, into thy hands, into your hands, I commend my spirit, the human spirit. He gave up the ghost, the little G-H-O-S-D, that human spirit that Jesus is, literally was commended to the Father. At that point, the spirit of the man with who had been tempted at all points, yet no sin, literally became one with the spirit of God. The law, the ordinances, ordinances of that law that had been a middle wall of partition, parting God from his own body of flesh and blood, the Son of God, literally took the ordinances of that law and nailed it to his cross, thereby breaking down that middle wall of partition, thereby making pre peace and one new man. Who is that new man? The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The second Adam, that last Adam, was made a quickening spirit. The Lord is that spirit, 2 Corinthians 3.17. He is 
that God Almighty. He is the blessed and only omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God Almighty. First Timothy 6.15, the blessed and only potentate, the Almighty God, who only hath immortality. He suffered as a man. He fulfilled the law as a man. With body, soul, and human spirit, just like us. But after he fulfilled it all, he took the ordinance of that law, the ordinances of that law, that middle wall of partition, nailed it to his cross, and broke down the middle wall of partition. That's the true Jesus. That's true. That's the true revelation of Jesus Christ. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty God, Revelation 1.8. And he's going to reveal that, that he is the Holy One, and it's not two, not three, and not even a oneness standing on the right hand of God. He sat down with the Father in his throne. <laughs> Revelation 3.21, all power in heaven and earth given unto him, uh, Matthew 28.18. That same Jesus whom you crucified, let all the house of Israel know surely that God hath made him both Lord Jehovah God Almighty, and Christ, the, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. There is the real Jesus. That is the Lord, which is that Spirit. He emptied out to be emptied out of his glory, made himself of no reputation to become a man, because a man lost it, only a man can redeem us back. Did he have a body of flesh and blood like us? Yes. Did he have a human soul like us? Yes, mind, will, emotion, imagination, intellect. Did he have a human spirit like us? Yes. All things he was made like us. Tempted at all points like as we are, in body, soul, and spirit. But then, Romans 1, 3, and 4, he's declared to be the Son of God. How? Through the Spirit, by the resurrection from the dead. When God raised him, raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. That means glorified him. And to the Son, the Father says unto the Son, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. As a scepter of righteousness, you have been anointed with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. You've loved righteousness, you've hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God. How can he say God, even thy God? Because these are eternal offices. The Father's an eternal office in the administrative office of the Spirit. The Word is an eternal office in the expression office of the Spirit, revealing God's thought, plan, purpose, and will. Uh, the Holy Ghost is the eternal power office of the Spirit of God. The Son of God is the eternal Redemption office of the Spirit of God. The Son of Man is the kingdom office of the Spirit of God. These offices are eternal. Everything God does, He does forever. And that's the reason why then cometh the end when He, the Son of Man, shall deliver up the kingdom to God, even the Father. Why? Because he's the head. We're the body. We're in that son of man revelation. We are the body of the Christ. He's delivering us all up to God, even the Father, that he may be all through all and in us all. There you have the real Jesus, the one that loved you so much, became one with you, your kinsman redeemer, who is now 
gone back to his former glory. And that's the reason why Jesus in Gethsemane prayed, Oh, Holy Father, glorify me with thine own self, with the glory I had with you before the world was. I want it all back. I want all that glory that I made myself of no reputation. I want all that glory back. And he did. How God glorified Jesus. What? With his own self. All power in heaven and in earth. Give it unto Jesus. Matthew 28, 18. That did not leave the Father powerless. He is the Lord. He is Christ. Who made him that? God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified. Acts 2.36. Both Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, that spirit, and Christ, the Holy Ghost. There you have it. Their man, Christ Jesus, is God. Always has been God. Always will be God. So he made himself of no reputation. Took on him the form of a servant made in the likeness of men. Before him no God formed, neither shall they after him. There'll never be another. Not one before him, not another one after him. He is the only Savior, the only God, manifest in flesh, 1 Timothy 3.16. He is that blessed and only potentate. 1 Timothy 6.15, 1 Timothy 3.16, God manifests in the flesh. 1 Timothy 6.15 and 16, the blessed and only potentate, the omnipotent, Almighty, who only hath their mortality dwelling in that light which no man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. He is that blessed, only, potentate, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. There's not another. We'd love to hear from you. Join the podcast. Write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office, Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Drop us a line, a message. If you have any questions, be sure and let us know. Messages there at our websites, sealinggodspeople.com, sealinggodspeople.org, or dennisbeard.org. We love to hear from you. Write to us. If you have questions, we will be glad to answer them the best that we can. There, until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold the real Jesus.